For decades, the Vietnam War has been a Hollywood obsession. Apocalypse Now, Platoon, Full Metal Jacket, First Blood. These were blockbuster films, embraced by audiences and critics alike. And for decades, they've helped us understand a painful war and understand each other. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Brian Raftery, and this is Do We Get to Win This Time? How Hollywood Made the Vietnam War. Listen on the Big Picture feed. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. If you've had it with your overpriced wireless plan with its insanely high monthly bill and unexpected overages, then listen to this. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Wow, right? To get this new customer offer, just go to mintmobile.com slash watch. That's mintmobile.com slash watch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for more details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. I need support staff to clear the room. Stand up and walk. Now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me in the bar, uh, first time, long time, it's Andy Greenwald. This is a wild experience. I thought this would be cool. So Andy and I are recording. This is the first time we've ever recorded in Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. We're both here briefly. Yeah. Family business. Separate missions. Keep it in the family. Uh, um, And then we were like, where should we record? We should record while we're here because we've never done this in Philly together after 10 plus years. Of course. And my first thought was maybe my parents' apartment. But when I looked at the counter space, there were six bottles of Starbucks creamer (laughs) and multiple (laughs) bottles of French's mustard on everything, as well as every New Yorker published since. 1991. So that was out. <laughs> My mom has the ones before 91. So that's what's on her kitchen. They should really combine. I know. We even have quite a library. So we decided to do this at my favorite bar at Bad Brother, which I don't know if Bad Brother is zoned for podcasting. Oh, it's a great question. Yeah. Um, so if you hear any background noise, if you hear any any sounds of life, that's just, that's just the way is. small businesses in America work. That's just the musica de la calle, as yeah. we say. <laughs> this is just what it is. What's up with you? I haven't seen you. I've seen you socially, but I haven't, we haven't recorded in a while. We had pre-recorded our mailbag. That was the mailbag where I was like, if the strike ends tomorrow, that was two weeks ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, How's the strike going? I mean, I, I, I I can't pretend that I've been on the front lines. Um, but is there, is there any news coming out of it? Is there any offers? Has there been any negotiations? Uh, The, first of all, I hope that the majority of our listeners just have a media blackout, (laughs) except for this podcast. You guys are about Fulton County? <laughs> guys, things, it's all going are, things are going crazy. Yeah. Uh, on Friday, the AMPTP delivered uh, 
a set of responses or proposals to the guild. And then my only official take or unofficial take is that it, I think that it must be, that it must've been somewhat serious or substantive because the guild writers guild email to the, all of us was quite sober. Okay. So there might be some movement this week. There might not, we don't actually know, but it does feel more substantive than it has for the last three months. So you've been on the road just like I have. We've been we've been traveling around the eastern seaboard. Mm-hmm. What's your what's your vibe? How do you feel about finally getting back to America? Well, what do you mean? The real America. Oh, the, you, you, the you, got, you got out of your elitist bubble. Yeah, I, it's been restorative for sure. Uh, I went up to Maine for a little while, and I was gonna say like, when, when you, you were on vacation, okay, do you go on a vacation? And to, to quote, what about Bob from yourself? And do you stop? ferociously consuming new content like you you usually do or are do you go do you like use your vacation time how do you use it when it comes to like what you're watching i actually don't know the answer to this question well you know i i um i've never said this publicly on the podcast before but i have i have two children so i would say that there's a lot of uh the watching time there's a lot of uh, old favorites Mm-hmm. The Netflix film Nimona been on heavy rotation. <laughs> Haven't talked about that on the pod yet. Always grateful for an opportunity. I, I, I feel like I'm letting you we, down. We I don't, have 40 minutes to fill, so if you want to go, well, there's some news we can get into. It. I don't actually have any watching time. Okay, when I'm when I'm traveling. Okay, um, don't make, need to make me feel bad about no, it. No, no, it must be nice when you tell me about <laughs> it. I think I had an opportunity when I saw my parents um, because they were asking me about television programs, uh-huh. and I was like, "You're in luck. That's <laughs> that's something that I can opine about." Um, and there's a level of blankness with which they regarded me when I mentioned the various streaming platforms through which they could view some of the things I was talking about. Uh-huh. Um, it was quite striking. So I was like, I could spend this time... Showing them where FX is showing, showing them what <laughs> Apple TV Plus is. Yeah. Or I could do literally anything else. So I didn't do it. But actually, wait, this does bring up something yeah. that's relevant to your watching interest and your question. There was a, I'm going to, this is, I'm going to, this is a throwback. Okay. This is, I feel like this is the second time this has ever happened in our long friendship. Okay. Um, 1997. (laughs) Chris is so excited. (laughs) 1997, a young me Uh visited a young you in your apartment in Boston. This was not the Back Bay apartment. I don't think this was the, you had an in-between apartment. It was the first apartment. Yeah. It was on like Queensberry street or something like that. It was before you moved in with the dudes in the band. Yeah. So I moved, I was living by Fenway park by myself with, well, I had some mouse roommates. So that was cool. That was later, (laughs) right? I didn't see them on this trip. And so whenever I would come to to Boston, we would of course go record shopping and and get some things. And there was this very intense divide where I was like, generally we have similar tastes and we're, we're good friends. Yeah. It was starting to diverge during the, 12 to 18 months that we'd known each other. But we emerged blinking into the summer sun or fall, I don't know what it was, uh, from Newberry Comics mm-hmm. with very different purchases in our bags. Um, I had a Bell and Sebastian EP. Yeah. And you had Promise Rings, Nothing Feels Good. Yeah. And I was like, this might be the end of the road for us. Little did I know I would <laughs> write a book by that title in four years. But that was a kind of a dividing line for us. And I worry... A dividing line because I liked Promise Ring and, and you We were going Bell- in different directions. I liked Bell and Sebastian. Yeah, Promise Ring's good. But it Didn't felt I at introduce the t- you to Bell and Sebastian? Wasn't I like, you would like this? No, first of all, how dare you? No, but we did go to a concert in Boston yes. in October yeah, of 1996 at BU. Yeah, okay. So, okay, so I'm making it, this, is, this isn't like red state, blue state, but I am saying, guess which state you are. But <laughs> Wait till you hear my lioness thoughts. That's what I'm getting to. My point is that we may have reached a fork in the road. Are you worried where, that we're, we're no longer on the same page? I just think we're turning maybe a little bit into the McDLT of podcasts. You know, there's the hot side, 
that's you. And there's the cool side. No, the cold side. That's me. Because I, I did have time to watch things on the plane. And, and you watch Drops of God. And I watch Drops of God, yeah, which, I okay. love, which I love so much. I mean, there's shows that we still agree on. There's shows that we're like, okay, obviously, like we're going to talk about Reservation Dogs. The first yes. three episodes have already aired on uh, FX on Hulu. Mm -hmm. And then the first episode of the second season of Winning Time. So we're still we're still doing our jobs. Two here. episodes of Winning Time. If the two, second one went up already? Yeah. Okay. Well, I wonder how the Lakers do, because I don't know. I haven't <laughs> seen the second one yet. Does it work out for those guys? Um, not yet, um, but I have a feeling things will turn. And uh, yeah, but I spent most of my vacation, as it were. Well, I watched. I'm I'm very very current on and just like that. That's wild. Was that a ch vacation choice? You're like, this is going to work for me on vacation, or was that a you I'm and your wife are traveling? I, I watch and just like that pretty religiously. I have to be completely honest. Where do you me. put all these takes? You must have a lot of thoughts. Well, my my wife and I watch. I'm a big stickler for Sex in the City continuity. Oh, yeah. So like when I'm watching, I'll be like, that doesn't really feel like the Miranda that I know. <laughs> but also like, I was not a big Sex in the City viewer, but I know that there were certain episodes that were iconic. Like Carrie had a, a you know a, a something with a firefighter at uh -huh. one point, right? Do you feel like the emotional memory of that dalliance lingers to this day? Like just the firefighter part, or I, I don't remember anything else about it. Uh, I I think Sarah Jessica Parker is a, an elite comic actress. Really, yeah, I think she's really really delightful. Yeah. Hmm. yeah so you like the show? You're all in. Why are you being so like confrontational with me? We're just because because we're in a bar. No, honestly, <laughs> I think it's because I don't have a mic stand. And so I feel a little so bit... So you started out this podcast, you're like, we no longer like the same things. I, I feel a little bit like Maury Povich or something. <laughs> Would you like to know someone who does like Drops of God? I'm going to bring him out right now. He's a special guest. Are you worried that we should start doing like one pot a week together mm -hmm. and then one pot a week separately where we cover the shows that we want to cover? No, I just want to make sure that we still... Look, one of the things that the recent indictments have shown <laughs> us is that we're just... Americans just aren't talking to each other anymore. You know what I mean? Is that what, That's what they've shown There was us. a lot of talking going on in those indictments. That's true. That's perhaps too much. Some signatures. Okay, fair. All right. No, no, I'm not. I just, I just want to know where, where I want to take our temperature because you were, I wanted to go with you on a special ops journey. Yeah, you didn't, I didn't really quite, go there. quite make it. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like you're not really up on um, Camille's quest to <laughs> identify the really rare Italian red wine that will unlock the key to her father's. What uh, pace cellar. are you watching Drops of God at? Um, well, like a true connoisseur, you know, I have to sort of savor, <laughs> swirl and sip. I think I got two left. Okay. It's a really good show. We had hijacked together. So like we're, we're, we're fine. Okay. Yeah. And is there anything else in entertainment news that has been like grabbing your attention? Is there anything else Philadelphia specific you'd like to talk about while we're here? Like the Eagles? No, just like <laughs> you, you have anything related to the city, to being in the city that you feel like we should reflect on for the purposes of the show? Uh, I mean, it's just been, it's been an awesome time back on the East Coast. I, well, so what happens when I come back here is obviously I get pretty nostalgic. So I wind up listening to a lot of older music. This was spurred on by the fact that I had no idea this was coming, but and I, and I know that you already know this, but there is going to be a re- I guess a new version of one of our shared beloved albums, the replacements, Tim. Yeah. And it's the please, it's the let it be version of Tim, which is essentially like a remixed version of this record that I thought sounded pretty good. Honestly, it sounded loud. <laughs> yeah. It sounded really good. Um, and that kind of spurred me into listening to a lot of like eighties left of the dial college rock, which might be the best music ever made. Isn't this, can we just start calling this bear core? Cause I feel like, I feel like, Chris Storr and his gang like kind of pushed, pushed this 
back into the middle but this of the is table. The thing is I'm finding it's kind of challenging is that, um, you know, when I'm on a, when I'm on the elliptical and I'm like, I still need to just <laughs> such a low key flex, right? Climb just, to content uh-huh. mountain. I'm like, okay, I got, I got to watch this. This is coming out. This is coming out. This is coming out. But then when I'm, um, when I'm just by myself and the way that we consume this stuff and like on Spotify or on, on these streaming services, like it flattens out, I stop thinking about what's new and I just th- start thinking about what I like. I think that's great. I mean, you said something to me the other night and when we were hanging out where you were just like, is it okay if old stuff is just better? I, I'm ready. I'm ready to make that call. I don't know. Look, I think thousands of people tune into this podcast for cutting edge takes. <laughs> you know, I feel like it's finger on the pulse. What's new? What's next? Right. When you're back here, do you, what do you, do you listen to like old Power 99 mixes? If I still had a Walkman, I would. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I generally do think, I think the, 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 the thought behind all this is like, can we find a way on our, um, hyper contemporary podcast full of <laughs> youthful references and TikTok clips to also celebrate things that we have loved Sure. For longer. So because I, because I do think there's a difference. Yeah. I think there's a difference between our connection to things. Like even, and we're going to talk about winning time in a second. Like I'm going to watch every episode of that show. I really like watching that show. I do not think in 10 years we will be talking about that winning show. Winning time. Yeah. It, which is fine. Mm-hmm. It's fun to be talking about new stuff, but I think I, I like, I like older stuff more. So you want, let's talk about winning time. Let's okay. talk about these shows being back. Okay. So, and I have a surprise for you at the end of the podcast. I know you like surprises. <laughs> <laughs> He's looking at me like I'm crazy. It's going to be good. We're at a um, bar. We're going to have fun. Okay. So Winning Time was one of these shows that I actually found surprising that you warmed to so quickly. Really? Yeah. I mean, I know that you like basketball and yeah. you're, you're like... <laughs> not, not anymore, actually. Not after um, the recent news out of our home Dude, city. what the fuck? It just We're recording this on... What day is it? Today's Tuesday. So I guess this is like our pod for the week, essentially. I might do I might do a solo lioness pod. You're going to do a special ops lioness tamer pod and I will listen to it. If it's solo, will you listen to it? That's the only way I want to listen to it. If you, if you, I can't just, do what you do. I can't just do like like twenty five minutes uninterrupted monologue. You don't think so? No. I want no. you to do it like. Remember that guy Art Bell? Yeah, the, the radio DJ. He's would talking be like, about like UFOs and yeah, stuff. Yeah, and you'd right? be like on all night and just like chain smoking and talking <laughs> about space. I want that. You don't think you can do that? No. Okay. Um, winning time is uh, is back. Um, the following the basically so i i did a prestige tv pod with house about it with the first episode mm-hmm. starts out we get like this sort of um we're, we're thrown into 1984 even though the first season ends at the end of the 1980 season and this is like the height of showtime the height of pat riley with the slick back hair he's the head coach adrian brody is giving like a gladiator <laughs> speech to these guys on the bus boston is being portrayed as like speaking of gladiator basically <laughs> like germanic territory in the beginning of gladiator and it's pretty fun and then we flash back we go like i was because one of my major questions about winning time is like the pacing of it like mm-hmm. how are they gonna are they gonna do a season per season mm-hmm. how long are they planning on doing this how long can they keep this cast together because mm-hmm. a lot of the faces remain the same over the course of five, six, seven, eight years with the, the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, what'd you think of the new season? What'd you think of the first episode? Well, I mean, I kind of already burned my preface, which is to say, I really like the show and I'm going to keep watching it. Right. And it is, I think we can talk about specifics. We should also pull out and talk about the macro, which is this and last of us mm. 
are similar to me in some ways in that they are proof of concept for what I imagine our friend and longtime listener Casey Bloys communicates much more artfully when he's talking to David Zaslav and the bigger higher ups at Warner Brothers Discovery yeah. as to what they can do that other places can't, which is class shit up. There is a version of this show, no disrespect, that could be, you know, movie of the week. It could be on the History Channel, yeah. which they make fine things, but it's not, you're not going to get Oscar winner Adrian Brody as Pat Riley. <laughs> you know, you're not going to get John C. Riley giving one of the best performances he's given in a yeah. long time. And he never gives bad ones as Jerry Buss, a character who prior to this, I don't think anyone of us would have considered to be like the most. Yeah, I can't wait for them to do like an amazing character study of Jerry Buss. Exactly. Yeah. I've not wasted too much of my life concerned about his psychology and yet I'm drawn in. Yeah. So the 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 way that they're able to execute these shows that I think that if you just Jenga tiled out a couple of the prestige pieces, it might collapse right. is, is remarkable. And um not my you know, and I don't think they think of it this way, but if if HBO's brand is this and every so often an Irma Vep for the heads, <laughs> that works for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is not exactly um like a sellout show. Um, what I found interesting about the second season was if you go back and watch the pilot uh -huh. of winning time, which Adam McKay directed, I believe. I think so. It was Adam McKay, the fuck out. Yes. It was, you know, direct to camera commentary, a bunch of different film stocks, yes. like swooping all around, like really super energetic, kinetic filmmaking. On screen commentary written in, crossed yeah. out, stuff like right. that. Um, and partially out of necessity because I think they were very conscious of like mm -hmm. taking what's pretty racy like mm -hmm. uh like content and like making it a little bit more like ironically palatable for 2022 when it came out. Yeah, and also I think really leaning into something that leaning into the concept that they were taking liberties here, that this was not a documentary. Yeah. That they knew that there were things that they were gonna get pushed back on and knew that there were things that they were quite fully like conflating uh, sure. or if not inventing out of whole cloth. Right. Um, so there was style in addition to the substance, which frankly was pretty compelling. Yeah. Like I knew some things about that. I didn't actually know about like Jack McKinney and falling off his bike and I, all the drama that was baked in reality to that season helped the first season. You know what I think compelling. about a lot of the stories that came out of the first season, mm -hmm. and even for the second season as well is sports writing used to be amazing because <laughs> like everything yes. that happens in winning time seems to have like a 3000 word sports <laughs> illustrated. Yes. Story about it well, where they're like deeply reporting it with different access yeah. too. Yeah. And, and as you see in the second season, uh, already like information as currency and as weapons yeah. being leveraged by journalists to un you know, to almost affect the stories that they're covering. So anyway, this is a long preamble to say those stylistic things slowly started to leach away. I think in the first season, partly because Adam McKay wasn't directing them and it would, people didn't want to imitate his style, but uh -huh. also because like, all TV shows, you could start with a style guide, but you basically become a TV show. Well, this is the fascinating thing with this show is like, I actually find that it's zeroed in on what it wants to do visually. Mm -hmm. To your point, it has gotten rid of some of the meta stuff, although there's still some direct camera. Yeah. Like, or like, can you believe how crazy Boston is kind of stuff? Yeah. Or like there's the, the on, on magic's cast, the mouth starts talking yeah. to his knee, his injured knee is talking to him through right. lipstick. But you know, 
we rarely get to see shows evolve very much anymore because I mean, you'll see sometimes with sitcoms, like they'll like they'll level out a little bit more. Like I think when we first started doing the pod, it was not uncommon to see a show discover itself over the course of a bunch of episodes. Mm -hmm. Whereas now I feel like because you, especially with something as as expensive as winning time, they have to like really kind of have it all soup to nuts figured out. Yeah. So I was almost surprised to see how little it had changed in the second season. But my thing is, I agree with you to some degree, but I think that the way that it's changed is that it has just become more conventional, which is not a bad decision. You know, I think you have to, you can sometimes feel the sweat of the writers being like, how are we going to make an episode of television out of right. the, like what's the uh, tension out of, out of the narrative, right. you know? And so, okay, well, Kareem had a baby and magic was having, it was, okay, so we're going to twin these ideas yeah. of fatherhood or parenthood. We're going to do, I mean, that's TV 101. That's fine. Um, but what I found kind of surprising in the second season so far is that the the reason, almost like the, the the reason the show seems to exist in the second season is to be like Magic Johnson is a hero, yeah, which is v- surprising because Magic Johnson in real life that is also his brand mm-hmm. and his story, and um, it seemed in the first season that with the kind of like visual flair and just kind of not giving a fuck about. Um, the historical record yeah like, like if it was going if, off if there was like some game they might be like it, like it was like a last second three and it was like actually they were up eight but also a little bit like behind the icon like you know pat riley was didn't know what he was going to do with his life right. before he became right. legendary architect of heat culture something <laughs> that you're passionate about um, <laughs> look i like two things <laughs> like, it's leap year taylor sheridan yep and fucking heat culture frankly that's the same thing I, know. <laughs> I think pat riley probably loves linus do you think i should start like a kind of lifestyle called taylor culture to talk me through it <laughs> and just just like maybe a, like a men's recovery project where mm-hmm. it's just like we watch wind river and think about how to like do you go outside in like very cold temperatures and bellow? Like, what do you, what do you like? What do you speak to horses? So when, when I'm doing my solo pod, my guest is going to be a horse. And the horse is just going to be like, we're on the same page, brother. I think to be clear, the horse won't be miked. You'll just be talking to the horse. That's like that my problem you when I do solo. I don't know what to look at. Like with you, I'm like, make, I'm staring right into your soul. Or I look at Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> the ratio has been shifting. I've, I've talked about this recently on the podcast that like I'd, I'd, I always remembered a profile of the celebrity chef Ming Tsai it was in the New Yorker. I saw the issue recently on my father's bedside <laughs> table. It was from like 1999. Um and it was like, how did he learn to become... Was your dad like, I'm going to get to that one. Good on It's a Wellesley, Massachusetts. There's a fusion restaurant, the Cuisine of Asia. Um, <laughs> but then he makes... I was like... He knows your dad, so it's just really funny. That's accurate. Yeah, it is. It's good. My dad ordered a... Um, like a like a an appetizer that was like a terrine, you know, like like duck liver or something, and it was served on toast. Yeah. It was like an appetizer to share. But one thing about my dad, like great... Um, enjoys gustatory pleasures, but doesn't know... Like couldn't identify a vegetable. Like if you put three vegetables in front of him and you're like, which one is a pepper? Okay. He wouldn't know. Okay. Um, so I looked over to see if he was enjoying this appetizer and he was sawing away at it with his <laughs> knife and fork. And I was like, you know, you can you can pick it up. It's like like a pizza or like a toast, you know? And he goes, Well, it's just a lot of bones. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, That's that's bread. Yeah. That you sounds know, like something a Taylor Sheridan character. Like would so, say. so it is. <laughs> yeah, but a Taylor Sheridan character, upon finding out that it was bread, would throw out the plate. Yeah, right. <laughs> What's funny is that, like, you have this imitation of your dad. Yeah. But sometimes 
as we've gotten mm-hmm. older, I'll just tell you that you sometimes text like your dad unaware this of is, that. This is what happens. So you'll like take a picture mm-hmm. of like a new house on the beach and be like, look at this monstrosity. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> like, is that Stanley's dad? That's, that's true. Look, we just, you know, we have what our models, right? Yeah, right. So right. to finish the thought that was irrelevant when I started it, <laughs> Ming Tsai got good at TV because he taped a picture of his kids below the camera. So okay. he was like teaching his kids how to cook. Oh, that's nice. So you can tape a picture of a horse. <laughs> to my laptop. <laughs> to your laptop. You could cut, yeah. And then just. When I talk about <laughs> what work going on in Syria. <laughs> is there anything about your life that you feel like is not Taylor Sheridan influenced? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, you're like mutually respectful relationship <laughs> with your wife. <laughs> There's a really Outside solid marriage at the core of Linus. There's with, a lot of trust, a lot of, a lot of understanding. Is this the Dr. Dave yeah, one? D- Dave Annabelle and Zoe Saldana. I'm interested. So I would say, if having seen some of it, I wouldn't call that like marriage of the year. <laughs> I feel like there were some fault lines. I just think it's like, they're two adults who respect one another, you know? Should you... <laughs> I think you should run this by Phoebe and be like, this is how I want you to see our life. I am the lioness. And sometimes I have to go out into the field. <laughs> yeah. And while I'm out, you fix kids' faces or whatever. <laughs> but when I come home, the lioness needs to be fed, right? Is she the lioness? No. She, no. She, her, the program she, is lioness, the lioness program. But she's the lion tamer in that analogy. She's P.T. Barnum. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, um, okay. Wait, go back to my Magic Johnson point. Your point was like, it's pretty valid, which is that, um, and it kind of, it speaks to my largest question I have about this, which is a really annoying one, which is somewhat, who is this for? I find it really fascinating mm. that you, as someone who is like, I am broadly aware of this story, but I'm not a Jack McKinney expert. I'm not, uh, like, uh, Paul Westhead expert. I'm not like in the minds, like reading about the system. Mm-hmm that you are finding it probably a little bit more tantalizing than I am. Whereas like, I think I want way more basketball and way less like, gosh, is magic going to claim this illegitimate child? Will mm-hmm. he get together with cookie? Spoiler. He does. Will. What? Yeah. yeah. And like, I think that they're doing something interesting with the bus family. There's a lot of like succession flavoring in that the way that they've set up, like the, the kids there. Um, but they have like a little bit of a, we all know how this works out issue. Yeah, I, there's if if you know the story, I can't imagine there's that much drama. If you know the story, I think the show still does offer. I mean, you you would could speak to this more than I could, but it's very charming. I, and and I keep coming back to that that like every time there might be a slow moment or a slow scene that I'm not feeling as much, or I'm like like I think Quincy Isaiah is like giving a very strong performance yeah. that has now become the backbone of the show. Yeah, but. I agree with you. Like whether magic will grow into the man and leader that we all want him to be feels a little narratively inert and almost easy. Yeah. Like it is weird that he's just like his, it's a hero's journey all of a sudden this season so far, but then it cuts away and it's like Hadley Robinson, I think is her name who plays Jeannie Buss. So I think it's great talking to Gabby Hoffman, who's just great yep. in this part as Claire. Um, uh, Norm Nixon's real life son, yep. Devon plays his father. Plays Norm Nixon. Every Still time, awesome. Every time yeah. he's on the screen, yeah. just, knocks it i was gonna use a baseball analogy that's irrelevant that's not right he he sinks it from long downtown triple triple doubles yeah um that's not nothing you know but i but i but yeah the who is it for thing is we i mean they're just making it yeah it just is emerging a lot of good effort is being put into it it's a great ensemble cast um do you feel like when you watch a show like that and we watch a 
and read a lot of things actually from those eras, from like the 70s mm-hmm. and early 80s. Yeah, I'm reading something right now from the mid 80s. The Sports Writer by Richard Ford. What do you think it would be like to be around people who are drinking that much and smoking that much? I mean, I guess it was in our 20s. Never all... I mean, I, I, I'm just use I statements. I saw a picture. I think I shared it with yeah. you. A picture of myself from 2003-ish. There's, there's three, yeah. I think I was there. Uh, in a bar. It was hi-fi. And I was... Do, like What I was do, what was in the ashtray, which was <laughs> right in front of me, so there's no ambiguity about whose <laughs> ashtray that was is like truly stunning yeah yeah it's grotesque you put in work yeah <laughs> but the thing that okay so the so you you mean like what's it like to drink a, like an old-fashioned at like every hour on the hour like adrian brody is playing someone who is not too far removed from being an elite athlete and is chain smoking and then drilling one of the greatest basketball players of all time yeah. like full steam ahead <laughs> With Marlboro breath. Like, that's wild. <laughs> but if everybody had it, nobody noticed it. So, okay. So here's my question. Do you think the people of that era were better athletes than we could ever imagine? And like actually better than people with hyperbaric chambers and plant-based diets today oh, because I mean, they I, could accomplish that? Or was the ceiling lowered so much because everyone was hungover and coughing all the time? Or was like, so, or was like the constant use of cigarettes, like, uh, like part of their instant recovery. Like I know that like knee injuries go wild, but like guys didn't take nights off back then. Knee injuries aren't that serious according to winning time because <laughs> magic has his knee opened up by 1980 doctors <laughs> sits in an ice tank for a while and then becomes the MVP. Yeah. Again. Well, this is a magical recovery. It's the, like his hundred days of, of being away from the team. And then he's like, I'm, I'm fucking back. Can I, um, this is a more personal pod than I guess than we've done in a while because we we're just here like at bar. Chill out. Yeah. So I mean, I'm sorry if we're not going like we we can talk about the maestro. Trailer this is this is what want. happens when Kai is out of the country. So yesterday, uh-huh. uh woke up and I went for a run here uh, along the river. Beautiful. This is a great city. Yeah. Um, because I was in a hotel, I didn't have access to my normal like morning routines. So I woke mm-hmm. up. Stretching, you mean? No, like, like make coffee oh, and okay. then like sit around and do nothing, staring into space for an hour and then going out running. Um, Text me 17,000. About monstrosities limbs. I've seen. So, Brie Larson couldn't so, act with the cat because she was allergic. <laughs> what do you think? First of all, you sent that to me. But so then I had a strong coffee out in the world and then put down the coffee cup uh-huh. and then started sprinting. <laughs> and I, let me tell you something. Did it work? It was incredible. Yeah. I have never, I was a golden God. I was, I was just, just the, the, there was no wind because it's fucking 85 degrees with 80% humidity here, but I was racing along the river paths. So was just passing, <laughs> passing people. I w- I've never felt better. And then your left arm went numb. <laughs> I just smelled toast. <laughs> but I just wonder if maybe, maybe, you know, my, my, my one experience yesterday and watching two episodes of season two of Winning Time has made me rethink a lot about what we think we know about sports Are medicine. you a big, like, body hacking guy? Are you into, like, <laughs> body optimization? Like, I'm going to live forever? Yeah. Um, do, you, do you see how many bags of first potato <laughs> chips I walked into this bar with? <laughs> I think you know the answer. Two o'clock. <laughs> um, we're drinking frosty ice waters. Uh, no, do you, do, you, do you look at this stuff? I feel like I'm much more aware of it now because of uh, uh, Instagram. So like my ads right. on stories are all for like, because I think if you do, I got a neck pillow and that okay. was a real rabbit hole for Instagram. They were like, oh, we, this guy's interested in sleep. <laughs> so a lot of like over the counter hipster ambient, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of like neck things, stuff for, for like neck pain, Yeah, um, which I'm not above. I bought a pillow off of that. 
You, oh, you mean like you bought a pillow off of something you were serving? Because some girl was like, "This is this pillow is so cold. It's was, awesome." Was it Brie Larson? <laughs> She's like, "This helped me get through the scenes this with the cat." Stuffed with cat hair. <laughs> they put a whole, a whole cat up in this pillow. I can't wait to see what the algorithm suggests now that it knows you're into horses. <laughs> it's like just ivermectin ads all the time. <laughs> like, it's not, that's also Taylor culture. <laughs> you want? I think it kind of is. Um, uh, well, if, you, if it's if you're really Taylor culture, you have a lot of ivermectin anyway. Yeah, because you get the so horse. You, you might as well. Yeah. No, I read like there was an article. Was it David Marchese's interview column where he was interviewing there's someone? Nothing, there's no social distancing like owning your own ranch in Texas. Oh yeah, I, I agree. That is the ultimate in social distancing. No, there was an interview with one of those guys who's just like, I am going to do everything in my power to give myself the possibility of living to be over a hundred. Well, there's a dude who like is using his son as a blood bag. <laughs> Have you read about that guy? And he's always he's like every day, like my whole entire day is about <laughs> living forever. <laughs> I'll be completely serious. Is this, and he's like, he gets yeah. like transfusions from his kid. Is it Ashley Schaefer? But then there's another guy. Uh, I think his name's Andrew Huberman. This, I think this is what I'm thinking. And of. he's like, the first thing you should do is you should like, as soon as you get out of bed, is without having coffee mm-hmm. or anything is go outside and stare at the sun for 15 minutes. That's Taylor culture. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that's also, like, he, that's this his culture goes against too. A bunch of things I was raised. First, don't look directly at the sun. I remember being told that. Yeah. yeah. Second, brush your teeth when you wake up. Like you Also know, good. Yeah. And this guy's like, no, just take the, the pure solar rays needs to get, get inside your head. First. I'm like, here's my new vibe as a, middling podcaster in 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 middle age new stuff not that great everything else in moderation it's fine <laughs> like staring at the sun staring at the sun yeah stared at it a little bit <laughs> a little bit don't say all the way yes or no it's yeah. fine but you know there's no nuance anymore you know i know no nuance anymore okay so so winning time yeah, winning time's good winning time's good I think I have like, I'm going to, I'm being a little bit of an annoying basketball nerd. The same things that just did not bother me at all about Moneyball, where I, people were like, Moneyball really, er, there was too much Jermaine Dye erasure in Moneyball or Mark Mulder erasure. Well, like, I mean, I, I didn't care about that. Like, from everything was, I've read recently, Michael Lewis is an unimpeachable <laughs> journalist. He's just buttoned up. Do you up. think that was his, his bad? What, what, what happened to Michael Orr? Yeah. No, I don't, I, I don't, we don't, we don't know what happened. We don't know. <laughs> we can't say. We can't, we simply can't say. Um, but in Moneyball, for instance, I don't care about the contributions of that pitching staff. Okay. Or the fact that they had Johnny Damon and, and, and Jermaine Dye. I care about Billy Bean. And Scott Hatterberg. Uh, making trades. Yeah. Getting rid of, getting Rincon. But with, with winning time for some reason, I'm like, well, you know, that was not exactly how it happened. But isn't that because one of the issues of winning time is that it doesn't have one specific point of view. Like if the purpose of yes. the show was the this bus is about the bus family and the front office or it's about magic and reinventing basketball for a modern era, right? that would be one thing, but it is all of the things and it is trying to give us the soap opera everywhere. And you know, I've said this a billion times. There, there are many, many greater sins than being entertaining and it's very entertaining. Yeah. And, and to give the show even more credit, like the first season did build up some pathos, like the Sally Field character arc. Like it was, it was very, it was enjoyable because it was a sports movie at its heart, which is, which follows a certain playbook. Can and I ask generally you like, entertaining. a very, like silly question? I don't know how long the second episode is, but the first one's like an hour six. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as long as that. Okay. But it was, how long was it? Like it was in, in the fifties, I think. Yeah. 
I'd love, I'd love to see a, like a slightly tighter version of it. Jam-packed. I mean, I think that's also why they gave us the... Um, that's why they started us right in the thick of it. Right. With the team that everybody thinks the show is going to be about. Right. Because at least through two well, episodes... Well, the first season starts with Magic's announcement, his HIV announcement. Oh, that's right. But it's not the actor, right? Like, didn't it start with the real footage? Uh, I think backwards? they cut back and forth. I think maybe there's some stuff with the, with the actor. But this, but this season, I mean, spoilers through two and also spoilers through Davies. living in reality, yeah, right. um, they crap out <laughs> right. in playoffs. And that doesn't have the same narrative arc. So letting everyone know, oh, we're going to go to Boston. The Larry Bird stuff is coming. Right. But um, like in four years? No, it's going to happen this season. My guess is this season is going to get us all the way there. Okay. I, I don't know their plan, but I would guess one more season leading through the HIV there's been announcement. Rumors that they could go all the way through Kobe. No, I want Andrew Bynum. <laughs> I want to get, you know what I want the last season to be about? The, uh, the, bubble. <laughs> the 2027 first round pick. Who's getting it? The one asset they've got left. That's what I want. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. If you've had it with your overpriced wireless plan with its insanely high monthly bill and unexpected overages, then listen to this. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Wow, right? To get this new customer offer, just go to mintmobile.com slash watch. That's mintmobile.com slash watch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for more details. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Should we do some reservation dogs and then we can do your surprise topic? Yes. Um, okay, reservation dogs back for its third and final season. Andy and I have lamented uh, mm -hmm. this being the end. Um, we've kind of gone back and forth about this. It's like that second season ends perfectly. Like yes. that is, that is the culmination in a lot of ways of the story. The show is sort of telling about these kids wanting to not necessarily escape, but experience the wider world. They want to get to California. They do. They have this odyssey across California. And then the end of the second season, 
spoilers if you haven't seen the second season. Talking about the first few episodes, they, they win third. the NBA championship. They, at the end of the they first become season. the twenty twenty seven draft pick <laughs> collectively. Uh, Bear says the Bear says he wants to stay in California at the end of the at the end of the second season. But, yeah. but it's also that they complete the circle of the Daniel story, yes. which has haunted it. And I and I think that I, it's worth saying sometimes I, I you know I'll just say I do this. I I maybe other viewers of things do too, but kind of. I, I do. I think many people do probably fall in love with the version of the show that they think they're watching. And one of the ways that we've talked about Reservation Dogs over two stunning seasons has really focused on the fact that, oh my God, this is the what I like to think of as like the dream type of show. It is a sturdy vessel that can contain almost any type of yeah. story. Um, and it does, you know, there's horror stories, there's, there's flashback stories, there's romance, there's straight up comedy. Um, and it always, always surprises. I think that that is rarely the goal of a creator or showrunner, especially in the modern age, and, and double especially when the creator is a filmmaker like Sterling Harjo, who grew up telling stories with beginnings, middles, and ends. Mm -hmm. um, that's what made him. And so I think that my enjoyment of the show came from how surprising it felt to sort of drift away from the idea of these four kids and their trauma is the story of yeah. the show. I, which caused me to kind of just overlook the fact that that central story was wrapped up at the end of the second season yeah. and caused me to say things, you know, a couple months ago being like, I'm angry. The show is ending. How dare it deprive us of all of the stories of this extended cast yes. in this universe. That was, I think, right, right around the time that you were like, Barbie looks like an, the all time L. So you think maybe I was wrong about that house <laughs> by the beach. That it was just my typical hot take and maybe it'll, I'll grow to love it. Um, People like people like people like a little spice, don't they? Um, You're the no, best, man. Never people any love you. never any receipts. Yeah, no one ever comes with those. Um, anyway, all this is to say, I, I love the show. I do wish it went forever. But when I watched the third season premiere, it was the first time where I felt, oh, there maybe maybe they maybe a maybe they do know what they're doing. But yeah. B maybe it is time to end because this was the first time watching the show where. I felt the seams like, oh, see, to, to, to undo some of the, the, the emotional um, catharsis of the last episode of the last season to get everyone back, but not everyone felt manipulative. Isn't the word because no. all TV storytelling is manipulative, but it felt heavier handed than I was used to from the show. Doesn't make it, didn't make it less entertaining. Doesn't make me less excited to watch yeah, the rest I mean, of the like season. But I, third, I was kind of surprised by The third by episode, it. the Dear Lady origin story episode is like probably among the best things we're going to see on TV this year, right? That's the thing. It's, and it's still that show. If it's not the group hanging out, I guess sometimes it's like you have like these ideas about what a show is in your head. And then when you actually like go through all the episodes, you're like, oh yeah, like this, this show makes more left turns than it does drive straight lines anyway. Yeah. Right. So like you get these little portraits and these little short stories. Like I almost think of it as a collection of short stories mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Whereas to your point, maybe those two seasons are the novel, you know, and these, and this is now portraying it more as like, a short story collection. And in those short stories, like they're obviously expressing themselves in a much more um, metaphorical way. Like those first yeah. two episodes of the third season are much more psychedelic and much more like image heavy than they are a like, yeah. coherent, like linear narrative. Although they have a quest story engine to them. It's just, they're about like, I don't know. I, I find it to be 
this season's been like challenging in a good way. Like, you know, you know, yeah. and, and, it, and also in a, Oh, okay. Like this is, the, this is what you wanted to do in this third season. That was different. It's just such an interesting rep- representative of whatever TV is now, because yeah. I think that FX probably does this better than most places, or at least from what we've heard from people who've had creative relationships there, they really do do the thing that everyone says they do, which is we listen to what the creator wants, mm-hmm. because I do think they certainly as professionals in the business understand the appeal of having a franchise of something that can just run. I mean, what the way they treated what we do in the shadows, which I love and full disclosure, I have not watched a frame of the season. I mean, what we do in the shadows could be their, their net new. It's always sunny. Like that, that show could just go for 20 seasons. And they understand that. And they, and they, and they did the kind of, you know, they, they did the Moneyball GM thing where they were like, we're going to renew you for two more seasons mm-hmm. right now. Cost controlled commitment. You know, we're going to do that. It's kind of like what the Phillies did with Scott Kingery. And that really worked out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Though you wrap them up young, get them <laughs> FX boss, Matt Clentech. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's just for the local heads. Um, <laughs> all of them. All, all there you're I think they're actually in this room. Yeah. Um, all of this is to say like reservation dogs could, could have been that. But maybe it couldn't. Maybe this is sort of just a you know a straw man argument because Sterling Harjo is never going to make that show. He's never going to just devote the next ten years of his life to just hanging out with these exact kids. I still think I said this a couple of weeks ago. They're going to be in business with him for a while, yeah. and we will see some of these performers in different ways. And like um, Devery, this is Devery Jacobs mm-hmm. who plays uh, Laura Dan and her story. I mean, there was a feature about her in New York magazine, but I think it's fascinating and really awesome that she's started as a cast member, joined the writer's room for the second and now season directing. and is now directing. And, and she, I, is she doing any of that on echo? Cause I know she's in echo, right? I don't know if she is, but I think that it was this, you know, like this is maybe it's because I was just wearing a Phillies cap, but I am thinking about this, like the idea of being of like building home, grown talent. Yeah. Like when Chris Storer came on to talk about the bear and he was talking about how IO who's obviously the co-star of the show, but is also, but she was producing on the, on the, the Copenhagen episode, right? Yes. And she was trailing him on the dinner on, um, the big Christmas. Oh, in six. Yeah. Six because, and, and throwing out ideas and contributing because she's going to direct you know, in the future on the show and probably in other things in her life. And like, that's just, that's invaluable and it's really smart. And it's especially smart if you can keep it within if you have people like, like I O or, or Devery who are like part of your team, yeah. allow them to contribute other ways, which is, you know, I thought Scott Kingery would be like a little like mini coach on the field, <laughs> you know, I really held on to that guy's stock he for a while. Third? Was it- he was like a super utility, you know, he could play third shortstop, maybe a little outfield. Okay. And everyone's like, when they drafted him, they were like, he's, he's another chase. Where Utley. is he now? <laughs> uh, not in the major leagues. <laughs> On the four sixes ranch. I think he was. You know what he's doing right now? Let me look at the clock. I think he's staring at the sun. <laughs> I think he's a late riser, and he's just looking straight up into the sun. All right. What's your uh, what's your what's your mystery topic? Okay. So I want, I want to preface this. Chris has no idea what I'm doing, and he may hate this. But, I wish you would have done it earlier. Um, no, I feel like everything's going just as it should. Okay. Um, we are in Philadelphia. Uh-huh. Ships passing in the night. And I don't know if you you know this, but at We're the moment, docked at the same dock right now, actually. Oh, that's true. And then, and then you will go your way up, up river. Back. Yeah. <laughs> um, right now, uh, the beloved local snack company, hers is doing a, a, they have like special taste of the city. Yeah. Chips. Yes. Like where they have, like, you can vote. I guess they've done this before, like new flavor chips. And so I brought them 
Okay. And oh, I know this t- is a, you want to do a taste test? Yeah, I know this is a little food news. Yeah. Shout out to Julia and Jacoby. But I'm just curious. Okay. We've never done anything like this. So I want to introduce you to these flavors. This is happening live. Our producer Kai today is uh, filling in for Kaya. I'm yeah. sure the combination of mm-hmm. two guys recording in a bar at 2 p.m. while also eating chips. Yeah, you hear the crinkle live on air. Yeah. Okay, so here are the flavors. And we promise we're not doing this to you, Kai, because you're from Texas. We're just doing it. We're just, we're just, this is a fun hazing thing. I'm sure we did this to okay. Kai too. Okay, so. Here are the flavors, right? Now, do, do any of these sound appealing? Like, what is your potato chip background? Like, I've gotten you, very adventurous. You have? Yeah, I've gotten, like, really? I, I was used to be, like, a pretty much plain barbecue or sour cream and onion guy. Okay. And I believe hers has been experimenting. Mm. There was some horseradish in the mix a couple Ooh. years ago. That was really delightful. Okay. I, I, I'll, I'll grab, what are the ones that are always in cheese shops that are Spanish? Oh, yeah, the uh, the Jose Andres brand yeah. that has, like, um Why like is it, like, Serrano exclusively what they... they Sock and cheese shops. Because they're fancy. Because okay. they're expensive. Right. What, they're not going to put like green bag hers in there. Well, I wish they did. Maybe they should. Okay. So here's one. This is um, tomato pie flavor coming from a bakery in Norristown. Wait, let me, let, me set, let me give you the contenders before you try. Chris is already opening the bag. Number two, Korean barbecue wings from oh, wow. Mike's Korean barbecue. Okay. Now, I have to be honest. I couldn't find the third. The third flavor um, is actually bitter disappointment. <laughs> it's the, it's the, actually the official flavor of Philadelphia. I, I, doubt, I don't think so. I think we're on the up the upswing. We are. The third flavor is um, John's roast pork, which is the one I oh, most I saw wanted that to try. At the store. So you're, Chris is trying the Korean ones first, and I want to know a couple things. I want to know what you think of the chip, and I want to know if you think it represents the city that birthed us. I don't think I've ever had Korean food in Philadelphia. Apparently, Mike's is quite good. I know that. That's delicious. I now, don't know what I would eat that with, or if I would just eat that uh-huh. solo. They're pretty good. Yeah, smoky. It's an it's an it's an elegant fla- flavor. I feel like there's a little like um. It's telling a story. This is like <laughs> the third season of Reservation Dogs. <laughs> Getting into a more of a symbolist kind of. Story but like, on. would you have this with a hoagie? Like, no. or would you just have this plain? No. Did you just say hoagie like that on purpose? Right, instead of saying instead of pie. saying hoagie, I'll say hoagie. Do you think this will be our last pot ever? I hope so. <laughs> that's that's. That's the one. Really? Because my worry about this one... That's a banger. It's a very red chip. Tomato pie. Without having the roast pork one, tomato pie is the order. My worry is this would be like ketchup flavored with like a dusting of cheap oregano. Okay. That's really good. (laughs) That actually tastes like something. Yeah. Okay. So do you think tomato... But like, do you think people... People who've never been to Philadelphia, who will never (laughs) eat these chips nor listen to this podcast. Okay. Do you think this is representative of... Because we're both very high on our home city now. I mean, we never weren't. But yeah, like, but this is, we're, we're, we're having a There's good food here. Yeah. There's good, it, it's been, there's great uh, running, you know? You just, <laughs> easy access to coffee. Easy access to coffee and then exercise <laughs> yeah. trails. Um, my only concern is I, I always think of tomato pie as a Jersey thing. I wouldn't, I never really associated a tomato pie with Philly per se. But also we don't hang out in Norristown. But a lot, I would, which I would is where Cora um, Palazzi Bakery solo, is. Or I'd eat these with a, with a sandwich. Do you think that, I mean, I kind of wish all cities did this. What I'm sure the, a lot of cities do do it. We're just not giving them their their proper, you know, like I'm sure Tulsa has like a, you know. Do you think Three Sixes Ranch has a proprietary? It's four Sixes. Don't try to fucking. Three Sixes. <laughs> don't take a six away from Taylor. It's Four Sixes? Four Sixes. It's like the, it's like half of West Texas. Do you think they eat chips there or just jerky? I think that, um, I think Taylor Sheridan has evolved. I think Taylor culture is a non-chip zone, if I had to guess. Do you think... Taylor Sheridan is into body hacking. 
<laughs> are, are you do. worried about what you're saying? <laughs> I actually do. I mean, you would have to be to produce that amount of um, scripted content on a regular <laughs> basis, right? I think he probably has a cup of coffee before you're he goes running. You're the writer. Running. You know Tell me I mean? about it. How hard must that, must that be? I'm on strike. I have no idea. Okay. Um, what about the, uh, you want to talk maestro before we get out of here? Sure. I mean, like, that's an interesting way to go out is that Bradley Cooper's... Uh, How about you here? You talk about maestro while I eat chips <laughs> to the microphone. <laughs> this is going to be Kai's greatest accomplishment ever producing this. Um, I think it looks gorgeous. And I'm a very, very, very interested in the story of Leonard Bernstein. Bradley Cooper's new film, Maestro, which comes out for award season on Netflix, starring him as Leonard Bernstein. Well, Netflix, it's going to be in theaters too, right? One of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Netflix really always support in theaters. Love theaters. Uh, I went to a movie. I went to go see Talk to Me. Um, oh yeah, mm-hmm. I had kind of. There's been a lot of stories in 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 papers recently, mm-hmm. like in the Washington Post and stuff about mm-hmm. like, have we forgotten how to go to the movies? Like, because like, behavior's been so bad at Barbie and Oppenheimer. It has. Yeah. Well, and I also had that th- thing happen to me when I went to a theater camp, and someone just like filmed theater camp while we were there. What? Yeah. And uh, that's I was terrible. Like, this is an this is an overstatement. You know, like it, maybe it's just summer. It's mm-hmm. like no, there's no, there's no erosion of the social contract. Right. Uh, and then I, I seriously almost got to a fight with two teenage girls and talked to me. What? <laughs> Will you shut the fuck up? Wait, what were they doing? Talking the entire movie. Well, what's the name of the movie? That's not why they were talking. They're Are like, you sure? Joe, this is so scary. This is scary. Are you scared? Oh my God. Like they were just like the entire movie. And there was like eight people in the theater. But it wasn't because like, look, there's a tradition of talking to movies of some types of movies. Like I remember very clearly seeing the movie, the Michael Bay movie, The Rock. Uh-huh. Um, and there's a scene. I don't know when the last time you saw I think if it's like a collective, like we are all doing it. That's fine. If you're just like, I'm dictating that me and my friend are going to talk the entire horror movie about like regret and trauma (laughs) with kids smashing his face into things. Not going to see it. Yep. So, and then imagine that, but imagine like two, two like TikTok girls talking the entire time. I, it's, I agree. I would not like that, but I also will never forget seeing the rock at the marple 10 uh-huh. in like 1994 or whatever. And there's a scene early on. I don't know if long time <laughs> listeners remember this seen it recently. You did a rewatchable. It's probably, right? I think so. Uh, where Sean Connery gets out of prison. Right. Yeah. And they, and then he gets, he has long hair and he gets, a haircut, yeah. he gets his haircut and there are these women sitting behind me in the theater. And as soon as and I haven't seen this movie in 20 years, so forgive my accuracy, but as soon as the, hairdresser emerges in the scene they just started tutting they're like "Mm." (laughs) and they start snipping at his hair and sean connery looks great you know and they're like oh mm -mm." well it's also sean connery's wearing a wig Mm -hmm. even when it's short Mm -hmm. there yeah and then it they basically were not they were then casting aspersions or making commentary about the sexuality of the hairdresser i see in 1994 Mm -hmm. and i've never forgotten this experience (laughs) but that i didn't i didn't i don't support that kind of talk back or hate speech but I remember the seeing that movie. In any case, mm. I think Maestro looks amazing. The, tra- oh, right, teaser, tra- Maestro. <laughs> the teaser trailer came out mm-hmm. and uh, a little bit of mix of black and white, a little color. It seems to center Carrie Mulligan, who plays Leonard Bernstein's wife in the movie. They have an amazing story. It, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's felt very, it surprised me, the trailer. It does look really beautiful and really classy. I mm-hmm. mean, he, he seems to be profoundly influenced by pictures of the era, yeah. you know, like actually framing yeah. things like old black and white photographs of Leonard Bernstein. I, I feel like my, my, my main take on watching this was very like post Oppenheimer 
is this going to be a smash hit? Yeah. Because it's another, it's not a Christopher Nolan movie, but do people like history now? <laughs> like, is this, that would be cool if they did. Well, like, is there suddenly a lane for this that people don't, didn't, I mean, you, you already said it's going to be on Netflix, so we won't really get to find out if this could become a phenomenon. But I don't know. It suddenly felt more plausible to me. It did not seem like uh, an ego project or a vanity project for Bradley Cooper. It suddenly seemed like something that could work because... This is, I mean, this, this project has been, I mean, the the Leonard Bernstein story has been like batted around a a bunch. Like I think Jake Gyllenhaal was interested Mm -hmm. in doing this for a while. Spielberg was, I think Spielberg is executive producing this and Mm -hmm. had for a while been had his eye on this. It's a good question about whether or not like historical films are going to have a moment. I don't think they ever really go out of style. Frankly, I find that a lot of directors, a lot of the best directors, and we've talked about this. Uh, I know Sean has too. Tend to make period pieces because it goes. You can go pre cell phone, which like makes the storytelling yes. feel a little bit less like shortcutty. Like you don't have to just be like, I know how to get here, and I know well, I can just ask Google. Well, what also, four sixes and is. this ties into the, <laughs> this ties into the winning time as well, which is like reality is the cheapest IP available. Yeah, um, yeah. but it also is an opportunity. You executives feel more comfortable audiences potentially feel comfortable or have pre-existing curiosity and then you can drape style on it yeah. which is what i mean oppenheimer is more than that but that's a, that's Man, a, it, look, it obviously looks like cooper's doing that yeah are you still all in on on, on bc <laughs> i like him a lot have you always had cooper stock like since alias i feel uh, like not alias but like you know i like limitless i think he's like wedding crashers yeah i mean uh certainly certainly wedding crashers but like did you when you bought stock in Young Hollywood. I feel like you spread money around. Like I feel like you bought Bradley Cooper stock, but you also bought Ron Eldard and like Josh Lucas stock. I didn't Lucas buy Ron stock. Eldard stock. No disrespect to him. Josh Lucas stock you had? I had Josh Lucas stock. How's that looking? Is that su- <laughs> he, he was good in Ford versus Ferrari. Is that subprime now? <laughs> Who else did you? Oh no, you had a lot of. Um, He's like having a really nice ranch house somewhere, you know. But wh- what are you buying with that? What about Aaron Eckhart? How, have you have you checked in with your financial advisor about that recently? You know, my mom was just watching the core the other day, which Aaron Heckard, it's mm-hmm. him and Hillary Swank drilling into the center of the earth to restart the gravitational field. Seems fine. No problems. No notes. Yep. <laughs> Why don't you write stories like that? Because I'm on strike <laughs> when you get off. If we want to get off, I'm writing a Ron Eldard starring vehicle like the world has never seen. It's going to be a heist movie set on the two sixes ranch. That way there'll be no litigation. Well, costs down. Yeah. Well, they steal two of the sixes. (laughs) That's good. That's, that's the, that's That's the plan. All right. Let's wrap it up. These guys have been too generous with their real estate. Uh, Andy, it was wonderful to see you. This was a bizarre podcast, but I think we did a good job. I think we did a great job. I I think people are going to think that we were drinking, but it's early in the day. I'm not sure if I'm going to do another pod this week. I know that you're out, but I may or may not. I think that your new career as a day drinking potato chip critic <laughs> deserves. I really hope that this is audible for for Kai, and I hope people enjoy it. Me too. This should is... I have, should I have hit record? <laughs> well, to, uh, we'll be back together next Monday for sure. Yeah, we'll have a lot to talk about. Okay, bye, guys. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, 
File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.